we want to welcome you to the New Song Podcast, coming to you from beautiful Colorado Springs. We love receiving your prayer requests and comments at newsongcs.com. We should look back at this uh, series just for a week about tables, um, because in the Bible, tables were very significant. And I had just challenged our church to, why don't you sit across the table from someone, develop a relationship with them, talk to people, evangelize, and then something happened and we were afraid to talk to anyone. We were afraid to get close to anyone. We couldn't shake hands. We couldn't much less speak to someone else. And even if you wanted to sit at a table, there wasn't a restaurant open where you could. And um, it was kind of a difficult time, and I wanted to readdress this today because the Bible has a lot to say about tables. It, it says in Psalms 23 that God prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. It talks about how Jesus came to the table with uh, many different people. It talks about the Lord's table and how we are to receive as often as we can receive communion together, sit together, and fellowship. And so I wanted to uh, look at, at some, uh, some things the Bible has to say about this because it's at the heart of a series we're going to start next week. Um, uh, we're loosely calling it the New Song Yacht Club. And it's not convicting at all, okay? I just want you to know that. It's very refreshing and fun. Not really. It's kind of convicting, but it's not... I, I want to say it's a fun summer series, but we're going to talk about how we could be um, better at being a yacht club or less like a yacht club. We'll talk about it, okay? But it's all about reaching, rescuing people, it, being lifeguards to people that are, that are drowning, that are lost, and um, my purpose is simple today. Jesus freely invites us to his table, right? Come to my table, sit at my table. I forgive you, you're forgiven, you're my child. I just come no matter what you've done. You are free to join me at my table like the story of Mephibosheth in the Bible where he brought someone into the king's, temp to, to the king's house, sat at his table. He does that to us. Jesus freely invites us to his table so... We should do the same to others. And I want to call this uh, seek to see. Seek to see. That's why I was just like, whoa, that was exactly like, did you look at my notes? Seek to see. And I would, um, a, a bigger title would be seek to see those seeking to see, right? Seek to see those seeking to see. Lord, we thank you for giving us eyes like yours. I pray that we would see things like you see things. I pray that we could go into crowds at, um, at the festivals, at the carnivals, at the uh, whatever we go to, and we could see like you see. Lord, I pray that we would learn from you today. I pray that you would help us to see in a new way this story that many of us have heard before in Jesus' name. Look at Luke chapter 19, verse 9. I'm going to read from the New King James Version today. Um, sometimes I read from the New International Version. Sometimes I love the Message Version. You might call me a sinner because I like to read the Message Version, but it's easy to understand. But today I feel like even a stronger Christian because I'm using the New King James. 
Uh, yeah, so it says this. And Jesus said to them, today, everybody say today. Today, everybody, you can smile. It's all right to smile. Don't frown at me. Today, salvation has come to this house. I would speak that prophetically over our church. I would speak it prophetically over your, your house, wherever you are. I would speak it prophetically over your house because we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. I think that um, Jesus would say to you, today salvation has come to this house. You say, well, I don't, I don't have a lot of saving grace in my house and my, my uh, personal family or my extended family. I was just with 20 of my extended family this week for seven days and salvation needs to come to that house, let me tell you. <laughs> no, not really. They're, I'm so blessed with a family that knows Jesus, but even still, they still could use a little bit more salvation. Maybe, maybe in your extended family. Today, salvation has come to this house, but also I would even speak it over um, us, and, and when our house goes out into wherever we go, that salvation would follow us, and that um, it goes on to say, because he, is, because he also is the son of Abraham, um, the next part, because he is also a son of Abraham, for verse 10, sorry, for this, maybe I don't have it, for the son of man, or Jesus, has come to seek and save the lost. That's what he does. He came to seek and save the lost. Verse, there it is. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. We forget that. That's the purpose. It's very simple. He came to seek and save, be lifeguards. Lord, we thank you for this scripture. We pray that we would be that. Have you ever felt like you should reach out to someone and... Um, and you believe different, they believe different from you, and so you felt like they were not going to uh, track with you. They f you felt like it was not going to uh, be the same. Um, I just reckon realized something in my notes, that this is my, uh, my first draft, not my second draft. And when I asked that question, I was thinking, I don't even know why this question is in here, but we'll just work with it. Have you ever felt like... Um, like you just are like you don't know a lot of Christians or not a lot of people that aren't Christians. Like I am in this bubble of church people. I listen to Michael W. Smith. I listen to Air One. I go to church. I go to worship nights. And I don't know a lot of Christians. And Jesus told me I'm supposed to seek and save that which is lost. I'm supposed to invite people to my table. How, am I, how are they ever going to come to my table? They would never want to hang out with me. Well, I, I remember um, uh, a group in our church that uh, invited me over, and I'm, I'm not going to mention any names because I don't want them to get uh, prideful that they're so great, but yeah. But um, they, uh, we, I came over to their house. There was nine, about nine or so other people at their house that night, and it wasn't a Bible study. It was a night to play cards, and not one of them went to our church, which was very unusual for me because I don't hang out with people that don't go to my church. I mean, I, I'm saying that kind of like, but it's true. I mean, like we hang out with the church people, right? And so we're at this at playing cards, and none of them went to church necessarily, and uh, we were just talking and hanging out, and um, and it got into some topics, and it was good. And I left, and there was no altar call, there was no Bible study, there was no worship song, but I thought. That night was one of the most successful nights of evangelism 
that you could have. We were over a table, and it was, I think it was a poker table. And we weren't drinking or anything like, don't worry, we weren't doing anything crazy. But we were, we were sitting there playing cards, talking. And I feel like um, that's something that Jesus might do if he was here today. Because we, uh, it, was to, it, was, it was more to get to know each other. To know each other instead of to convert. Um, oh, you say, oh yeah, then after you got to know each other, then you did the whatever. No, we just got to know each other. We talked, we laughed, and we went home. That was evangelism at its core to me. When you hang out with people, not to convert, but to know them. Um, I think that God, uh, when we do this, we realize that God is work around us already. Sometimes we think it's re dependent on us. Oh, I got to start this certain conversation. But God is probably already at work in the people around you. You just have to figure out where you fit into watering that work. I remember a guy that used to go to our church. He was a fireman, and he's a big, tough dude. And, he's, and he, uh, David Stern, I don't know if you remember him, but he moved to Florida. And he uh, is a Christian, but before he became a Christian here at the church and someone had led him to Christ, he remembers five years before that being in a burning house trying to save people, and he heard Jesus speak to him, I have you in the palm of my hand. I'm protecting you. You will get out of this place because he felt like he couldn't get a couldn't get the, um, the direction out of the place. And he felt like Jesus let him out. And he said, at that time, I didn't even believe in Jesus. But Jesus was already working on his life. And he used the word Jesus. He didn't say God. He said, felt like Jesus led me out of that burning house. Jesus has already gone ahead of us. It's not necessarily always you taking the light to others. It's sometimes calling the light out of them already, what is already there in them. I don't want to get weird, but everyone was created by God. Everyone's got a spirit. Everyone's got the Holy Spirit in them, and some of them are just dormant, and we need to call it back out of them because it's struggling to shine. When we think of non-believers, um, I think we think of the, that, that they're, uh, they're them, and we're us. We're the believers, and they're the non-believers. Non and, and part of that is semantics. You explain it to, to people. Oh, they're non-believers. We're believers. But sometimes that creates a bigger chasm than there already was when we start to identify people differently. I don't think Christ worked that way. He saw everyone. Oh, his children. Well, this child right here is not really my child right now. He's the devil's child or whatever he's doing. But he's still my child. I was there at creation and, we cre and, and uh, when he was born, I, was, I created him. I believed that he would become my child someday. So Jesus just sees the value in everyone the way they are. And I think we, whether we believe it or not, I think we say, well, they're not a believer. They're not where I'm at. And we don't even mean to disvalue them or discredit, but we do, and there we're in the same place. Um, he, he, God saw, Jesus saw value in everyone, and we should. Oh, we should see value in them so that we convert them? No. So that we can fix them? Yes. 
No, that's not why we see value. We think, oh, we need to fix them. And yes, we need to, um, we need to present Jesus to them at some point. But if we look at it that way, I think that non-believers uh, can see right through that. Maybe they can't, but I think they could. If, you, if, if, you, if they see you trying to fix them or trying to convert them, I think sometimes they can be like, I see an ulterior motive here. Like when the person comes to your door and knocks and is trying to sell something and they first say, hey, how you do it? And you're like, yeah, I know what you're here. You're trying to develop a relationship so you can sell me something, right? It's not, that, it's not supposed to be that way, right? Just kind of practical, but it's not. It's supposed to be we see value in them, and that's it. And then Jesus will, and we'll call Jesus at the, the light that is in them out of them as time goes. Our role is simply to invite people to the table. Let's look at uh, Luke chapter 19, verse 1. Back to the, I started at verse 9 and 10, but if you go back, it's funny how the story of Jesus, start reading Luke or Matthew or Mark, John, you'll see often it led to a table at some point, and this led to a table. It says, Jesus, Luke chapter 19, verse 1 and 2, they, Jesus entered uh, and passed through a town called Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. Who says Zacchaeus? Who says Zacchaeus? Who says Zacchaeus? Raise your hand. Who says Zacchaeus? Okay, so I guess I should say Zacchaeus. I'm going sti- to stick with Zacchaeus. Who says Zacchaeus? All right, I'll stick with you. Okay, so the rest of you, you don't, you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, was there, and he was rich. I think we glaze over this. I'm not going to talk about it much, but... A chief tax collector was not just um, a bad guy who stole money. Chief tax collectors were the worst of the worst of society. He had his posse that would go into his, they would find these guys in their own families, make them tax collectors so that they could go into their own families and steal money from their own family because they would get to know them, or they knew them already. They didn't have to get to know them. And then if they didn't get their money, they would have their posse go and kill their own family members to get the money if they wouldn't give them money. They were horrible people. They were murderers. They were terrible. They were like gangsters except worse. So it's not like, oh, nice tax collector. He sits at his table and he takes the taxes from the people and they happy and he smiles. No, these, these guys, I pi- we always picture him as just a s- kind of like a half-sweet guy, but he's not. You did not associate with tax collectors. They were bad people and they were, uh, they were just irreverent because they were mean to their own families. Can I submit to you this, that God is at work even in the tax collector of your world that you live in? I don't know who you could think is one of the worst people. And I think sometimes we don't need to think about the worst person. Sometimes it's more someone right under our nose. But the worst of the worst, God is already at work in them, probably more so than even some of the lukewarm. Jesus says, wish you'd be cold or wish you'd be hot. I don't know. Does that mean he likes cold people? He He says, if you're lukewarm, I can't stand you. I don't know if he meant he didn't like lukewarm. He liked cold or he liked hot. So I don't know if the tax collector falls into the cold section here, but it says, verse 3, 
And, G, and he sought to see, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, sought to see who Jesus was. But he could not because of the crowd. The crowd got in his way for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead. I, I wonder why that's in there. And I think I'm going to submit to you something that I think is more of a reason what's going on here than just being short. It's something more uh, literal, literal, maybe not as much as figuratively what he's talking about. So he ran ahead and climbed up in a tree to see Jesus, for he was going to pass this way. This passage says Zacchaeus sought to see who Jesus was. A tax collector sought to see who Jesus was. The Holy Spirit was already at work in Zacchaeus because he was wanting to see who this Jesus was. If the Holy Spirit leads you to someone, I would encourage you, if he leads you to see someone, he's probably already preparing them too. We assume, ah, uh, they don't want to hear from me. They don't want to hear what I have to say. They think Christians are mean. They think Christians are judgmental. They think, we assume all of these things that people think about Jesus. And probably more than we know, people are seeking to see Jesus too. This passage says he sought to see Jesus. The Holy Spirit was at work at him. And what does it say next? But Zacchaeus could not see him because of the crowd. And I don't know if this is what it means here, but it's a great place to bring up something. I would say this. How many times do we hear, if it weren't for church people, then I'd meet Jesus. If it wasn't for that person, then maybe I'd want to know more about Jesus. But I think it's the very people who are for Jesus that sometimes keep Jesus out of others' sight. And I would just say this. Um, don't be that person, right? Let's look around the room and see if you find one of those people here. Like, no. None of us, right? Don't be that person that is the one that keeps someone from seeing Jesus. Your goal is to help others See Jesus and sit at the table with them, not get in their way. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because he was of short stature. Maybe his shortness was the obstacle uh, that was keeping him from God. I, would, I wonder if there's obstacles in people's lives that keep them from seeing Jesus. And it's not that they're short. Maybe they're short-sighted. Maybe they're insecure. And often I'll look at someone, maybe you don't do this, but I'll look at someone who doesn't seem to want to have anything to do with Jesus and I'll blame them. I'll say, oh, they got their walls up. But maybe it's not a wall. Maybe it's an obstacle that's in their way that they, they just can't get past their pride, that they need Jesus. They can't get past the... Uh, at, the, the uh, confession is hard to say, I need Jesus, or to say, I'm a sinner. That's not easy to do. I hear many people say, I'm a good person. That's the opposite of saying, I'm a sinner. 
And maybe that's the obstacle that's keeping them from seeing Jesus. When you look at someone and you judge them, and we judge them for certain things, maybe think of the idea that maybe it's a wall that they've put up. It's an obstacle that's keeping them. And you need to somehow find a way to help them see beyond their um, fear or their anxiety or their uh, pride or their insecurity. I even think this is going a little step further, but in United States of America, you could say this in Africa or in other places, but United States of America, devil, the, the devil's real, demons are real, and people can't see Jesus sometimes because they're I don't know a better word than to say they're possessed. They're possessed by the devil. They're possessed by a demon. I think that's true. I think people look completely normal and they can't find Jesus because they are plagued. And maybe you would say it's not complete possession. Maybe it's like a, um, what? Oppression or something, you would use different words, but let's just call it for what it is. It is the devil. It is demons, and maybe it's the demon of alcoholism or, or drugs or depression or fear. There was a, there was a demon, uh, a number of demons called fear this last year that have plagued people and have kept them from seeing Jesus. And maybe it's our, our responsibility to see past What's blocking them? It's like, how can you not see Jesus at work in your life? How can you not want to accept Jesus? Because they got something that's bothering them that we need to rip off of them. I don't, I don't, I don't encourage you to go into the mall and just start praying uh, for exorcisms out of people. But um, you could start praying. I think that prayer does more than you think. And if you get to a place where you can pray more personally with them, then that's one thing. But first, maybe you just pray, Holy Spirit, would you just invade their hearts? Would you, uh, I rebuke this devil of, of, of insecurity or fear or anxiety or depression or whatever it is. I rebuke, you are not allowed here. And then maybe go into talking to them a little bit more. We're, we're talking about doing a, a min, uh, having a ministry just for, uh, I don't know when we'll do it, maybe in the fall. of. Uh, have you heard of Cleansing Streams Ministry? It's, it's a ministry where um, you, you not just have time together to pray, but we realize how many things latch on to us that shouldn't be there. And I'm not saying behind every doorknob there's something going on, but there's, there could be curses on people. We can pray them off. We can, and I won't get into that today. But I'm just saying, when, G, when Zac, Zacchaeus went up on that uh, tree to see Jesus, he was of short stature. But maybe the people around you that want to see Jesus, there's something else that's keeping them. So instead of judging them, see them. For who God made them to be. Now, and some of us at this point are saying, I still can't even think of one person. I can't think of one person that, to even see that way. I can't even think of someone. And the, I think the Holy Spirit's going to lay someone on your heart. Maybe it's a neighbor. I don't know, not my, not my neighbor. I'm not talking to them be awkward at this point. We, I don't even know their name. We've been talking for years and I, I can't talk. To them. 
maybe, that's what the Lord's speaking to me about. I have two neighbors named, well, I think it'd be all right to, I'm just stepping out in it because I want you to ask me about them. Pat and Hannah, they don't have any kids. We have nothing in common, except we're neighbors, and they're really nice. They're good people. I know they're not believers. And maybe God, maybe he'll, put, he'll lay someone on your heart. Maybe, and it could be a family member, but also somebody else too. I don't think you could just settle for, oh, I got to get my son saved. or I gotta, There's someone that he's laying on your heart. Instead of judging them, see them for who God has made them to be. Verse 5, Jesus came to the place. He looked up and happened to see Zacchaeus in the tree and said to him, Zach, he is, make haste, come down. I'm coming to your table tonight. Now that's a little bit strong. <laughs> Try that. I'm coming to your house tonight. Uh, make a place for me. I think unless you're Jesus, you need to get to develop a relationship first. But he just said, I'm coming to your table. I'm coming to your house tonight. Now he saw him in the tree. Jesus had a way of seeing people that we can learn from. And he had a way of inviting them to salvation that we can learn from. I don't know how he did it, except that he was full of the Holy Spirit, Jesus was. And he had a way of seeing them. We don't have time to see people. Not that, not that much. We don't even have time to see people. I was on vacation this last week. And I had all the time I needed. And I, remember, I, I would remind myself, look at people, see them. And there was people that I saw that I felt like Jesus said, see them and say hi to them and talk to them and smile at them. But we don't have time, usually, to see people. Seeing is everything. If we could only allow our eyes to see that's, that's the battle. This. Jesus saw Zacchaeus in a mob of people. It was a mob of people. And I would say this to you, my friend, Bob, Tom, John, Jim, Jake, Joe. I don't know if there's even one of those names in this room. But I would say this to you. Don't put it past the Holy Spirit to spotlight people in your path. A light shines down from heaven and you see them. Don't put it past the Holy Spirit to spotlight, spotlight someone in your path that you are to stop and get to know. I don't know how we do it. I don't know what you're supposed to say. We started to talk about it a couple weeks ago. Like, how awkward is that to go up and talk just cold to someone? How awkward is it to make a new friend? But there are people that need you to become their friend. You don't even never even met them yet. That could be kind of exciting, couldn't it? That on Monday, literally in, in a day from now, you could be walking and God could spotlight someone. The Holy Spirit says, get to know this person and they could become one of your best friends. But they don't know Jesus. I couldn't become their best friend. I know, that's what we say, right? Like, we have nothing in common. How much, how much, better, I, how much easier is it to, to 
minister to a cold person than a lukewarm person. Really. I mean, is it? I'm just speaking like out of what I, you know, how much easier is it to speak to a cold person than a lukewarm person? You know the scripture. There's a scripture if you don't know it. Jesus says, I'd rather you, he was talking to the church in Revelation. He said, if you're a church that's lukewarm, I'd spit you out of my mouth. I'd rather you be hot or be cold. Because at least cold people know that they're cold. They know it. I don't love Jesus. I don't want Jesus. I don't need Jesus. They're cold. How much easier is it if it's a lukewarm person and they're kind of like dabbling with Jesus, they kind of do their casual... They're probably, they're probably, it's probably hard to, harder to reach them. Let God's, the Holy Spirit spotlight someone to you this week. Have eyes to see like Jesus. Uh, I, I was going to mention, uh, I have a neighbor I used to have where, before we moved from Hunter Peak, and now we live at a different address, um, about two years ago. Um, when I first moved there, I was the, became the pastor of this church, and so I was like, I'm getting this guy, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save him, right? I'm going to fix him because he needs Jesus because I could tell. I could hear him yelling at his wife all the time in the house, and not that that means he's like a terrible guy, but I thought he was pretty bad, and I, I saw him yell at his kids all the time, and I was like, this guy needs Jesus. So I would always like, hey, man, how's it going? Good to see you, and he'd be like, and he would not give me the time of day. Um, I was moving, and I decided I was going to, like, this is my last chance. So he's out of this trash can, and I corner him like he can't get back in this house. Like, you're talking to me, right? And I'm going to fix you. I'm going to convert you right now. We're going to get on our knees and pray. And Jesus is going to heal you of your whatever, Right? And so I'm like, I just, my brother, I just got to ask you, first of all, he's probably like, don't call me brother, right? That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking all these insecurities. Oh, he knows the pastor's coming over. What is he saying? I said, you need Jesus, my friend, in your life for your family. And he says, I know. I, I didn't even realize it until somebody told me that I needed him. And the last three months of my life have been a transformation. Jesus has come into my life. My wife and I, we were starting to, we were separated. Did you know that? I'm like, oh, I didn't even realize you were separate. And well, we're back together and we're going to church together and our kids are good and my job is good. And it was a really great situation. But it wasn't me that told him, because I thought he's not I, like he's not going to listen to me. But someone told him, and he started going to church. Guess where he goes? New life. He goes to new life, and he loves it. He says, "My kids love it. It's great." I'm like, "Oh, that's awesome. Good job." He's like, "Yeah, thanks for thanks for asking. I'm so thankful Jesus changed my life." It was like literally like that, and that's a great thing. Someone had decided to step out. I couldn't help but think, right? Though, like if I, three months before that, when he was ready, that I should have probably said what I said when I was moving, and I didn't. Yeah, let's go on, move on. Jesus stepped out, called him out of the tree, out of whatever he might be stuck in. He called him out, and in verse 6 it says, So he made haste and came down, Zacchaeus, and received 
Jesus joyfully. Would it blow your mind if you got that kind of response? Come out of your insecurity. Come out of your tree. Come out of your depression. I see it in you, my brother. I, you, need to, you need to leave that lifestyle behind. I know Jesus has something better for you. Come on. No, I don't want that. What if they said, oh, make haste. I'm coming down out of my insecurity and coming to hang out with you at your house joyfully. I venture to think this. If you forget everything else I said today, remember this because you forgot everything else. So remember this one. It's easier to reach people than we think it is because Jesus cares about people more than we think he does. <clears throat> Let it sink in. It's easier to reach people than I think we think it is because Jesus cares about people more than we think he does. He cares. We're, supposed to, we're just the waters. We're just the planters. We're just the, uh, what else do you, we're the sunlight. And we help them grow. And be, this might be the, the point of contact when you talk to them where they come to Jesus. We're, we're going to close. Come on up, my brother Nate. Appreciate you today. Appreciate you leading us some of these songs that we did today. But the biggest, um, I want to read one more scripture, verse 7 of the, that's the, it, the last scripture I want to read from this. It says, but when they saw it, uh, they all, I, um, the, the crowd, when they saw the tax collector, the murderer, the mean guy, the people nobody liked, some of his family members probably saw it. When they saw it, verse 7, they complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Can't believe it. What is he doing? Jesus is supposed to be Christ-like. <laughs> he's Christ. And he's going to be with a sinner. The biggest pushback might not be from those uncommon to you. Those uncommon to us that we feel like we have nothing in common with. It might be from those who are on your team. Let it not be the culture of our family, right? That we first judge, first judge, first judge, then maybe love. Maybe after a while, prove it. Then I'll love you. No, that we would love first. I think there's an example in the Bible of someone who loved first. Jesus loved Wanda while she was yet a sinner. Jesus loved Christian. Even though your name is Christian, you were still a sinner. Jesus loved you first. And since Jesus loved us first and freely invited us to his table, we must have the guts to do that to someone else. Amen? Amen. I got four takeaways to give you. I'm not going to talk about them. I'm just going to say them. But before we do, would you just close your eyes with me? Ask the Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me today, God? Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me today? Who are you laying on my heart This is what's going through my mind right now. Although I'm supposed to be asking myself, who are you speaking? 
this is what's going through my mind. I have been in church since 1973. I've heard sermons that were much more eloquent on evangelism, yet it never seems to change anyone. <laughs> Write down three names. Put them in your Bible. We've had, I've had all kinds of ways. Right now, get out your phone and text one friend. Right now, make it a point, you know, all these different strategies. Let's have a workshop and uh, let's let God identify one name to us. And it never seems to do anything because none of us ever do anything with it. I mean, some of you might. And I, I have a handful of stories where Jesus has, has rescued people out of being completely lost through something I've said to them. But... Holy Spirit, we ask that you speak very clearly to every girl, every boy in this room. We would make it a priority that we would seek to see those seeking to see. It's not rocket science. Sometimes it's... Uh, it's like trying to use a square peg on a circle peg and it doesn't work. But there are certain ones that are ready. Help us to see those that are trying to see you and help us be a bridge that comes in and waters. Help us be um, a co-worker with you, a co-laborer with you. To bring them one step closer to you. All right, three things, four things. Applications. Number one, step out of a comfort zone for you. They're not, they're not like very complex. But step out of a comfort zone in your life. Some comfort zone that you have, step out of it. That's, you know, I love people like this girl right here. Because she, she's not churchy. I don't like churchy, right? Get some of that. Go to take a shower. Get some of the church. It's good to be churchy if it's with the Holy Spirit full, you know, full of the Holy Spirit, but not religious. She's not that. She's just who she is. And um, I was talking to her husband uh, the other day, and he said, I'm put, thinking about putting in a, a half my grass, getting rid of it, and putting in concrete. And I said, why would you do that in your front yard? And he said, because I have to put in some tables. Because every time I'm outside, people always come over. There's all the neighbors. They're all talking. And they need a place to sit. He said that. He didn't even hear this message. And he said, I need to put in, I don't know if he said some tables or a table. So people can sit if they're going to hang out at my house. I'm like, dude. Dude. Bro. That's what Jesus wants to step out of a comfort zone. Find a place. If it's going to the trash can and spending longer on Tuesday morning to take it out, waiting for, waiting for your neighbor to come outside, you're like, why is that guy out by his trash can so long? Whatever. Is it, is it um, oh man, the Holy Spirit could be creative to you. Are you supposed to make them cookies? Are you supposed to go on more walks? 
so you see them. Are you supposed to pray that you see them next time at the park? That's what I did to one family, and they're finally in our church. I prayed every day, where'd they go? I never see them anymore. Why don't you bring them to this park? And he finally did, and I knew that that was my sign that I was supposed to talk to them. Step out of a comfort zone, number two. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you see people. Just see them, not to fix them, just to see them, to value them. Number three, call them out of their tree. That takes a little bit of boldness. Call them out of their obsession, possession, oppression, fear, whatever it is. Call them out of it. I see a glint. I see a sparkle in John's eyes because that's who he is. That's what you do, John. And then lastly, identify their obstacle. People may climb up in trees for all kinds of dumb reasons as an attempt to keep you away. But it's maybe not an attempt to keep you away. What if, like Zacchaeus, it's not putting up a wall. It's their backwards effort to get a better view of the Jesus inside of you. They don't even know it. It's their way of trying to see Jesus in you. And they got this wall up because they've been broken or hurt or bitter or confused or depressed or afraid. Would you stand to your feet with me today? Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here today. We're in a beautiful time of year called summer. I don't know if it's a time of harvest for farmers, but it's a time of harvest for, the, for, uh, for Jesus followers because it just lends itself. Good weather makes people smile, makes people go outside more. Makes people want to talk more. Take advantage of this season we're in. Lord, use us. Would you say this with me? Use me. Help me see like you see. Help me see others seeking to see. Holy Spirit, help me hear you. Help me see who you spotlight for me to minister to. We thank you in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening today. Remember, God wants to do the impossible through you and me. We encourage you to become a deeper part of what we are doing. Visit us at newsongcs.com and become a giver to the New Song Foundation and an investor in bringing this message of Jesus across the world. God bless you.